Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Monica Villalpando, and she is founder and CEO of Via Innovations. We're going to talk to her about her experience uh, on the science side of cannabis, understanding she's done a lot of different work, and we're going to hear about it, but really kind of looking at where are we in terms of looking at this from more kind of a scientific lens and understanding what do we know about the plant? What do we know uh, about its capabilities? Where do we know about its kind of applicability and how we can apply it in different areas? So I'm excited about this. I think the whole cannabis industry is in a lot of need and is very hungry for better data, better insight that we can use to really kind of develop great products and take those products to market and really help people. So I'm excited for this. Uh, With that, Monica, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. So let's start with background. Understand, you know, how you got into cannabis. What was the backstory? Tell us, what's your journey been like? I've had quite an interesting journey, quite international. I was raised in, yeah. in Germany and then moved over uh, from six to 12. And that was such an influential period in my life. And so after the States, after we moved back to the States, I did my undergrad in biology in here in the San Francisco Bay Area. 
where I stayed working in pharmaceutics for a inhalation company, working mm-hmm. on formulation and characterization of these formulations. Really got into that. And so I decided to pursue some graduate degrees, take it a bit further. And I studied yeah. at the University of Arizona. I worked with a professor there, Dr. Yokowski, who derive the general solubility equation. And in pharmaceutical sciences, these compounds are getting more and more complex and big and foreign to the body and water insoluble. So we, as formulators, look at different approaches and strategies to best deliver this compound to the target for the enhanced effects or for the intended Mm -hmm. effects with, you know, reduced side effects or, you know, no side effects at all is obviously what you're going for. Yeah. And so then I took that experience over to a Catholic University in Leuven in Belgium. So tying back into the European background, I always wanted to get back across the pond, as they say. Yeah. And, and so I studied there in the lab of drug delivery and disposition. And my specific uh, advisor, uh, our group, we focused on various formulation enabling technologies that improve water solubility. And so for the audience who doesn't know, cannabinoids and cannabis, most of the plant material is is highly water insoluble. So this is where it's a major challenge from a formulation standpoint. So that was like a, whoa, I've been doing this my whole life. This is a perfect application. So that was one like road into the to the industry. Um, after my PhD, I then went on working at J&J in Belgium um, shortly thereafter on a variety of projects, uh, still continuing on formulation screening tools, working in the oral solid dosage groups or anything oral delivery, mm-hmm. tailoring that effect. Um, and then I moved over to Manchester, UK for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. and didn't really find an interesting pharmaceutics job and, and money was getting tight. And so a recruiter convinced me to take an interview to go in the electronic cigarette industry. And I was like, oh, God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and but I had spent, at this point, I had about six years of inhalation product development experience. So I knew yeah. that there was a lot of value I could add. Yeah. And so I made the leap into an entirely different role that involved education going in a, from a regulated environment to completely unregulated and work being heavily involved in the standardization, working with the Electronic Cigarette Industry Trade Association to implement practical methods. Now, this was back in 2014, so much okay. earlier than they had kind of made their way over here into the into the U.S. and before yeah. the whole jewel situation, and and they really in Europe they really plucked it early on and and implemented pragmatic regulations that sent a nice foundation to to make these things safer. Um, and they are when I left the industry, they were definitely uh, way safer in in Europe than they were in the U.S. And so I just kind of saw how regulation, education, how different industry bodies could come together and and really tackle a challenge because you know when the directive comes out, it's very much like any uh, regulatory authority. They'll say, this is what we want you to do, but they'll not tell you how to do it. And so I think that the the different countries came together nicely to set up these standards. So the British Standards Institute came up with a guidance called PASS. And so these are sort of the involvements that I was directly uh, related to, as well as the research on emissions. So I worked with the University of Manchester um, Environmental Sciences Program, and we got a grant doing the first evaluation of what the heck is coming out of these things and temperature (laughs) dependence. And and I, I was at the university, so I got to 
get access to really cool, sensitive tools, which were then used as a basis to form a more like a turnkey analytical solution for that. So I'm just curious what in terms of the regulatory structure and the kind of the government oversight of some of these things, comparing U.S. to EU, what, are they similar? Or are they different? I mean, give us give us a kind of a, a highlight of how the, the in the context of kind of coming up with these regulations, how does the government operate relative to industry? And is it similar or different than the U.S.? Yeah, I'll give you my perspective from the scientists. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the uh, the educator standpoint and, and my experience there was, so I mentioned the tobacco products directive had come out and that what really initiated was that these e-cigarettes were, were new to the market. And so they, they wanted to do something about it. But in addition to that, there was the regulation of all tobacco products. So they even implemented different packaging requirements. Like these horrible pictures are now plastered all over cigarette boxes in, in Europe. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. and so the whole tobacco product products directive was 50 pages. And the part article, only one article, article 20 applied to e-cigarettes. And from then on, they were able to implement more of a, a lower hanging fruit. Like, well, not I don't want to say lower hanging fruit, but a, a, a notification system. So it's not a full medical authorization system. But what okay. you will have to submit is all of the ingredients that you're used at what concentrations, um, emissions testing results, hardware results, you know, of course, the certificate of analysis, I mean, toxic inhalation toxicology findings. So it's a lot Mm -hmm. more extensive. And so that came out in 2014, I would say. And when the PMTA, which is the U.S. version, uh, pre-market tobacco authorization, that came out, I want to say, around 2016. And it was right around the time I was really shifting away from nicotine. Uh, I did read it when it came out, and that was 500 pages long. And so that's 10 times the amount of what... And then even with, so let's hop over to the e-cigarette part of it. And it was like, if you're a producer with this, making this much revenue, then you have, this is your day. If you're, it was like, so it was complicated for me to read and follow. And, but I will say that there's more of a extensive testing required. So on one hand, I think that Europe responded quickly and mm-hmm. were able to implement a safer infrastructure. And I do see that reflected now on the some of the vaping issues that have popped up in, in cannabis mm-hmm. versus the U.S. They rolled out something a lot more extensive and complicated. That's a, just a much harder ship to maneuver and implement. So when I had moved from the U.K. back to the Bay Area, I, I use the uh, e-cigarette industry as a bridge to get into cannabis as, you know, jump phasing out as a consultant from my pharma job. And so I looked under the hood of U.S. e-cigarette manufacturers and <laughs> helping them sell in Europe because they were trying yeah. to break into that market. I was like, we have to change everything. Yeah, and so I, I don't know how far down the road I'm, I'm but the worlds are sort of the cannabis and nicotine world have sometimes organically come across together. There was a mm-hmm. nicotine cannabis conference just a while back, for example, but I don't know what the status is with sort of the PMTA and that. Uh, but what I will tell you, and I do know is that say Jewel, which is See what every the, yeah. what everyone knows about. I've heard a lot about. You know, here there's the concentration of nicotine is you know 50 milligrams per milliliter, and it's a nicotine salt, so it's formulated for higher uptake. So it, these uh-huh. are strong things. So if you think such a high uptake, so that's why that makes them like a little bit more addicting because you get a then that crash. Yeah. Uh, versus now 
Juul has penetrated the European market, but they had, in order to sell, they had to reduce their concentration and where the max is 20 milligrams per milliliter through the, the notification rep. Really? So 40% of what it is here? Yeah. And from a, I guess from a science point of view, like how similar to similar is cannabis and tobacco in terms of these method of action, the testing, the health safety? I mean, are these very comparable? Are there fundamental differences between them? Give us a sense of, you know, when you look at these different markets or these different products, how do they frame? Yeah, no, it's a great question. There's a big overlap, but there are also key differences. So the similarities lie in the hardware and just understanding and the consideration of the hardware components in, mm-hmm. the, in the safety. You know, things like, is your liquid sitting in in these coils and for how long? And so, like, say, with, with e-cigarettes, you know, at a lower pH, it tears away on that metal <laughs> and it gets yeah. seeps into your liquid. And, and that, you know, you so it's literally these, dissolving yeah, the metal into exactly. the, into the liquid that then is inhaled. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen some pretty high, insanely high terpene concentrations in these cannabis vape pens that I think would also do the same. Now that mm. where the cannabis industry can learn from a big, big, big component from yeah. the e-cig market is to test what's coming out. Because we test for heavy metals of the extract and maybe of, you know, do the testing, but we're not testing the, well, now there's a little bit of response to it, but now they were just in the cannabis industry. They're just now looking at admissions. <laughs> it's like really? looking at, and I see, I see MCT being used as a diluent, which is a wonderful component for, for tinctures and oral products for topicals, but it should not be inhaled <laughs> just due to issues with your lungs unable to clear this. And this yeah. is slow damage over time. Yeah. And I've seen papers that say, well, we don't use PGVG or we upped all of this. We use PGVG PEG and MCT and we, we took it past the boiling point and measured formaldehyde and MCT was the best. So yeah, it's okay to use yeah. MCT. And I was just like, whoa, you're not thinking about what the end user is experiencing. And so that's that's where I hope that eventually there will become more overlap. I know that now people are starting to implement more yeah. of these now because of the awareness is, is raised. Where they're very different is in the formulation because nicotine is water soluble. Cannabis, is, mm-hmm. or cannabis extract is not. Uh, and also the potencies are very different. I mean, you get some nicotine on your skin and you, you're a goner. Um, and versus we're like, you know, we're bathing in cannabis so there's there's a lot of other considerations there too and that's just because the how nicotine affects the body and it's it's toxic at that at those concentrations it's a potent molecule it's well absorbed it's a small molecule too you know it it's has those yeah. physical and chemical properties that it's just like you know our our bodies love it whether it's good for us or not you know a lot of there's, there's that, that reaction to it so but even though that the formulations are very different from each other there's still areas where we can cross and and learn for example you know i well i mentioned the emissions and and how that liquid is sitting in there and the hardware but more on the just the considerations of the testing so when i saw the all of this reports pop up and all of these cannabis vape uh, suppliers or manufacturers like we don't put pg or vg or diacetyl or you know they're saying these these ingredients Mm -hmm. that are not applicable to cannabis. They're applicable to nicotine. Good luck mixing cannabis and PG and VG together with extra. Yeah, Yeah, it's really hard. So, and so I see that, but 
I was really frustrated because it's like, you're not looking at the problem. You're just saying, oh yeah, we don't do that. We're good. We're good. And what we're seeing here. And I, when I, I use my ESIG industry background to wedge into the cannabis market. And, and this was back in 2015, early 16, when that was primarily the, the product, you know, the go-to product. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling these things to people like, are you, are you considering MCT? Are you considering emissions? What about the terpene concentration? These are molecules that are volatile. Yeah. <laughs> they, they'll volatilize into uh, to harmful substances and no one, you know. And, and why not? I, I mean, what's, pooper. Yeah, but what's the, I mean, is this they just don't know? Is that you they don't, don't care? Don't they don't, they're too I busy think, with other things? I think it's a combination of both. You don't know what you don't know. But I've also told this to major manufacturers and explained it. And they just didn't listen. And I, I mean, I have a Rolodex of scientists that will agree with me. Yeah. So it's not a, for a financial benefit of mine by any means. It's just like, I know I come from a very unique perspective and a yeah. unique position. So I'm very, I try to educate about this as much as possible. And I feel like even with the, when everything came out a few months back, I hadn't, after I had gained the momentum in the cannabis industry through the e-cig market, I pivoted to other routes of administration more the I applied more the pharmaceutics outside. And so I didn't, I kind of slowed down and I'm, I'm starting to rev the, the inhalation components back up because for a number of reasons, I moving, well, personally, I'll, I'm moving over to the East Coast mm-hmm. and I'd like to, and where that, those markets are still growing and maturing. So I think that there's a good timing for that. Yeah. And and then working more with Arno Dumas de Raleigh. He's the founder and CEO of the Blink Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I know each other from the ESIG days. He was uh, was very uh, involved in the the regulation, the standards, and he's the ISO chairman um, for vaporization technology. So he goes over to China all the time and evaluates their yeah their processes and their systems and mm-hmm. ensures that what's getting shipped is actually reflective of the CFA provided. Yeah. And so he and I are gonna we just had a call this week. We're going to put an article together of like ways at which the vape crisis or like calling crisis, but you know the vape yeah. issues, the vape concerns for the first time could have been avoided and what we can do in the future. So we'll jump into that. We're just kind of getting those discussions going, but uh, you can expect to see that out in uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm curious, just with your experience in Europe and the US in terms of cannabis, I mean, do you characterize the sort of the different approaches, whether it's, you know, just kind of general mindset or, you know, how the government's approaching it? I mean, do you see structural differences between how the markets have developed and, you know, how they're kind of protecting folks, but also creating opportunities for the industry to grow and, and mature? I'll tell you what I know. I mean, they're so different. And, it, you know, things in cannabis move so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just keeping up with California. But I did. <laughs> I I always say I'm kind of I'm half European at, at heart. And, and so as soon as I I had some reverse culture shock and I love I love when I moved back after living in Europe for seven years, <laughs> I ended up figuring out well, how can I get involved in cannabis and, and still keep those European ties. And so there's a number of facets. So in the UK where I live, I'm involved with few, well, let's say collaborators or friendships. That's for example, in the Women in Cannabis Network, the Entourage Network. So that's been that's been really, really beneficial for me and important. And I love that these women are are, are building that as is as, as I've seen mm-hmm. that here, um, definitely in, in California. 
And through that, it's all, and it parallels a lot, the London scene that I'm talking about specifically, it parallels a lot of what I've seen here in California in the earlier days, like these kind of really like they're looking, the the more sophisticated brands are, you know, talking about the extract type, the quality of ingredients, they're putting it in dark packaging, it's beautiful branding, it's portrayed as a, a wellness product. And, yeah. you know, that that market is only just going to mature. But I just got off a phone with a scientist in the UK and she's like, there's only like six uh, research, you know, uh, licenses yeah. produced. The the application is 18 months and you have to invest <laughs> it, build it without even knowing if it's going to be approved. Yeah. You know, Before and then she said, approval, Den- yeah. yeah, and then she said she just came back from Denmark where they have 56 licenses and she can do all the fun stuff that she wants to do. Um, so that was that was an interesting tidbit. Now, I, I, uh, having lived in Belgium, I picked up Dutch and I, I worked very hard to speak uh-huh. it fluently. And, it's, yeah. you know, it's a muscle. It goes away. Yeah. And so I didn't want to lose that. So I was like, well, how about the Netherlands? And so I had spent a few of the last maybe year and a half looking at expanding into the Netherlands so I can do proper, like, clinical-based research. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just from – it's been challenging to do the scientific ex- experiments that I want to do just because all the tape, the red tape that I still face here in the U.S., especially around and get start getting into more expensive studies. So mm-hmm. even there, you know, can people think, oh, Amsterdam, it's all free, yeah, exactly. go in the coffee yeah, shops. It's yeah. actually decriminalized <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily come from like the it's it's great. Like, I enjoy it, um, yeah. but I don't think it runs through this. It's not the level of stringent testing yeah, exactly. um, that that is the cannabis that goes through the Netherlands for research. Yeah. And so I had a few plans and meetings there and unfortunately COVID has has slowed that down but that you know it's still it's still in the works that nothing you know that Amsterdam hopefully isn't going anywhere but mm-hmm. so that's one area that I was looking into and and there even I saw CBD pop-up shops and talking to them, they're like, yeah, it's technically illegal, but we just sort of look the other way, kind of like these coffee shops. And and if you think, and then if I hop over next door to Belgium, mm-hmm. they're super closed off about it. They, in general, you know, this is also different personalities of countries. This yeah. is what I loved living in Europe. You hop yeah, exactly. on a plane and you're like somewhere completely different <laughs> with a vibe. So even yeah. you just, you drive an hour and you're completely, even within Belgium, you go from one city yeah. to another, even Belgium sometimes can't understand each other because the dialect is so strong between yeah. the different regions. And so that's kind of, I guess, reflective of sort of how they are as a culture. I love Belgium and it's <laughs> tons of Belgian friends, but they are, they are um, tend to be a bit more closed off than um, the Dutch. Yeah. And prime example was that I am also a yoga, t- well, a certified yoga teacher. And mm-hmm. one of my means to penetrate the European market was through yoga, because I see that that's more of the the sort of the market or lifestyle is going to be most readily adopt something like cannabis, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. And so my old, actually, my old studio that I did teach it in, in Brussels, we were organizing a yoga workshop. And really, the, the, the sign up was really, really low to the point that it wasn't even worth for me to do it and make all of these samples. It just showed how, yeah, immature and that stigma is. And, and yeah. even I had a call with one of my old colleagues 
colleagues and asking, we were trying, we're working on it. We were looking, scoping out a project for Germany, which is cannabis is sold through the pharmacist. So I knew that he had set up like small labs and pharmacies in Belgium. So I just wanted to pick his brain. And he's like, yeah, I don't believe in it. And I was like, I'm sure you don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. (laughs) And I was like, but uh, from his perspective, it's, you know, they're seeing CBD, it solves everything. (laughs) And, uh, you know, a critical thinking scientist knows that that's not possible. I would have hoped that he said, if I'm going to make the leap (laughs) out of pharma (laughs) into something like this, that I have done my due diligence to Uh to really believe in it. So there's a lot of education. So there, and in Luxembourg, it's (laughs) they're going for adult use. So it's yeah, so it's all it's really really all it's all over the place. So what makes this industry so exciting and. Ter- <laughs> yeah, terrifying well, in a great yeah, yeah, in, a, exactly. in a good way at the same time frustrating at times yeah so and yeah. so in terms of the work you're doing today i mean where where are the like what you know areas of focus initiatives i mean where where are you hoping to kind of apply you know your background your scientific background your industry background to what areas of cannabis where do you think you have what areas do you feel like you're going to have the most impact and efficacy yeah veal pondo was started three years ago as a consulting company and i just knew through the pharma, the product development. And then I mentioned the yoga part Mm -hmm. a little bit, but that was, that had a big role in my interest in Ayurvedic medicine. And, and that was my first like eye opener into plant-based medicine and more holistic approaches. And I started using my vape experience and my sketchy cannabis supplier in in Manchester. I did infusions and I started my first uh, formulation (laughs) in the UK. And so, and and I actually, the Shard is a really tall building in London. And the first time I was high in public, I took it up to the Shard with my friends. And I'm like, this is awesome. I have to, that's where that little spark came. And, um, and so, and then, and, and so what I did is I basically learned as much as I could about the industry of the last three years. And so mm-hmm. as the team, we've grown now to a team of 10. We have seven scientists in-house. So I'm very, very, very much about the science approach. Yeah. And we are shifting now. We're more to a technology in IP and using that to create our eventually own products. I have some ideas there that I'm happy to go into and, and extensions oh, on some of the products that we've gone into. Yeah. And so... Yeah, the the few arms that I'm focusing on because you know there's a lot and now you can't do everything and yeah, so exactly. I, I've I've gotten the lay of the land and now with Via Innovations we're like really honing in and, and restructuring and and changing things around and so my one of the focuses is on these uh, formulation technologies that improve water solubility that mm-hmm. then improve the uptake and you can control the dosing and um, play around with these effects with cannabis and cannabinoids. And so we've already screened this using a variety of cannabinoids. Mm-hmm. And then even within those, we're looking at different extract types. So going from isolate all the way to full spectrum and understanding those basic physical chemical characteristics, because that's so important yeah. from a fundamental pharmaceutic standpoint, because if you know that, that dictates what ingredients you select, what technologies you select. So 
there's no literature. You know, if I do is research on like ibuprofen, you know, whatever, I, it's going to be <laughs> fair. Like, what's the solubility of ibuprofen? It's going to yeah. be pretty similar. But like, what's the solubility of THC? I have no idea what extract they're working with because, you know, it, or let's say, or maybe CBD, you see more CBD isolate, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. CBD, what's the solubility of CBD isolate versus CBD distillate is going to be very different. And so it's not even, you know, I'm looking at not even in water, looking into simulated gastric fluids in intestinal fluids sure. and, and understanding the solubilities there. So then we're, you know, of course, like with everyone, we're as everyone is in the next steps of the trend is looking into more efficacy claims and really honing in next on that craft. But you really have to start understanding the foundation. And so I think I'm seeing a lot of quick jumps into these studies mm-hmm. to differentiate. And these are expensive studies, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. So it makes sense to kind of hone it down and build them a little bit more smart. So this is one, one area that I'm educating a lot about too, as well as practicing within and Veal Pondo, of course. And, and so there's a, on our website, you'll see, but there's, there's a few topics coming up at the American Chemical Society and the whole plant expo will go into more of these formulation technologies. And so for the audience, and if it's not clear, I don't think I have to find it what I mean by the formulation technologies. It's really these technologies that improve water solubilities. Yeah. The most commonly is applied in cannabis is nanoemulsions. And that improves the water solubility by creating a smaller particle. And then it has a higher surface area than, and therefore it actually has a higher dissolution rate. And therefore you have a faster effect. It actually does not um, increase the solubility unless you add ingredients like surfactants, then that will help do it. But even still by saying water soluble CBD, that's not a true accurate statement. It's like water compatible or enhanced water solubility, but you can't you know, you can't turn a dog into a cat. So it's just, <laughs> it's know. not, it's a, yeah, it's, so, it's not so water soluble. Yeah. So that's where we're focusing on and, and to really, and it's necessary in order to accommodate these different cannabinoids and extract forms and as well as yeah. in preserving terpenes too throughout the process. So that's, that's one area. And then uh, topicals is another uh, area of interest for us. So we have a very close relationship with Devios Naturals. Uh, this was, these mm-hmm. were one of my, earliest clients and we worked together on creating a cannabis derived uh, sunscreen and so my hypothesis <laughs> you know through stresses you know uv stresses <laughs> implemented yep. on the plant uh, cannabinoids are expressed so my hypothesis is that cannabinoids could be used to protect the skin and and i was correct which is great and then even beyond that we saw that my second hypothesis was that a, a thc heavy formulation would be more effective than, say, CBD heavy due to their physical chemical slight differences in that THC is more lipophilic, so it likes the fat more, and therefore it will be more miscible with the stratum corneum, the upper layer of your skin. I actually use those properties to my advantage, versus a lot of people are trying to do the opposite. And and we are, we are working on a transdermal patch as well, um, too. But for this Mm -hmm. specific one, I used, I designed it to stay on top. And we did see that um, the THC had a had more block blocking effects than the CBD. So I'm going next step is really honing in back into the lab and doing like dose concentration screening studies. Like we you know we have a patent issued on that, so that's why I'm <laughs> talking <laughs> openly about that. Mm-hmm. And, and so next, I'm looking at um, these dose screening studies, like which cannabinoids at what wavelengths, and there's a lot. 
it's not even just sunscreen that opens up this door. It opens up to, well, we can go, yeah, an obvious one may maybe cosmetics, but even yeah. with other activities and other like other applications, there's a lot of uses. And I have I have a few ideas there that I'm, I, I'll let the audience wait to see. Yeah, exactly. We'll get back in, in the lab. And then, and then um, women's health is a big one. You know, there's I just most of these products are not designed for women in yeah. mind, especially yeah. in cannabis. When we're the we're the money makers, it's like such a we're the we're the buying the, the yeah. people that make the decision what gets bought and what we will spend money on our products and well made products and mm-hmm. and but even beyond that the. What I'm seeing in sort of the suppositories and these lubricants, I'm just yeah. mortified. And so <laughs> I haven't gotten into it too much, but yeah, I can imagine that people are doing some pretty crazy stuff with them. And I suffer from endometriosis and I've used uh-huh. cannabis to help with that. And and I'm just even with like the, the lubricant research that I've done and, and even the stuff and even beyond cannabis now that I'm seeing and the stuff that you'll see at like Walgreens or CVS, yeah. these standard brands. These ingredients in there are really bad for the women's vagina. For vaginal health, yeah. And there's like reputable peer-reviewed scientific studies that show this, but it's still being sold. And so, and I this least, is just the way. I mean, uh, we've got the wrong people running these product. Like, yeah. I, mean, I guess what's your what's your underlying diagnosis of why why we're creating products that have poor vaginal health profiles i mean what, what how, how do we get in these situations I, well because because men are leading on most of these discussions yeah. that's really yeah. what it is and so that's why with cannabis being a newer industry with with me being a woman having dealing with women's health issues yeah. and being in the position i am as an education i am really much very much spearheading that discussion and, and that research yeah. as well and that was that was what I was trying to get in place in the Netherlands is to look at is to look yeah. into this because that obviously will require full um you know GMP type of formulation development so that's why I wanted to do it in a full legal uh, yeah, federally legal landscape yeah. Yeah. so those are sort of the three arms but with that you know the women's health kind of falls underneath the the topical arm and yeah. okay. uh, we have one of my lead scientists uh carolyn Birek, she's she's been with me with a company or something well with me she's my first <laughs> first scientist and, and mm-hmm. she's uh, she's special did her graduate work on melanocytes and these skin cells. And so we've been, she's really been owning that and loving that. So she's, she's leading um, from now with the innovation, she's leading all the topical formulations. I mentioned we're doing a transdermal patch right now. Um, Some of the work with, with Devios. So those are sort of the two main ones. And, and yeah, that, uh, those are, those are enough on the plate because they're very research intensive. um, And, you know, like the, you know, that that transdermal patch equipment is getting built from scratch and is taking eight months, you know, and, and so yeah. these are these are big, 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 beefy projects. And so part of the solution that we had from a business standpoint, because with Vilpondo starting off as such a custom boutique product development company, it, mm-hmm. it takes a while for these products to get on the market and they're expensive because we're so research oriented. But every but once they're out, then they're like, here you go. Now, from an investment standpoint, you're going to want a little bit more uh, money and cash flow coming in. And so part of that idea was also to provide these ready-made product solutions because a lot of times we notice that potential customers were called. They just, they want to get the industry. They had some good ideas, but they didn't really know where to go or they just wanted a quick, easy solution. They had, you know, just get their toe in. So this would be 
an opportunity where these formulations are developed, made, optimized. Uh, it has the standard operating procedures in place. Depending on the project, one of us will go out, train, and get that up and running and, and for, for sale. And it'll still be a differentiated product from a component standpoint, a formulation complexity standpoint, like um, let's say, for example, we have a like a body scrub, you know, and yeah. actually that's our one of our lower, more simpler formulations to make a body scrub. But what I do, because it's me, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. OK, well, what's the purpose of a body scrub? OK, getting rid of dead skin cells smells good. What's the, you know, think yeah. about efficacy. So yeah. I went and I selected four. I think four. eventually it came out to four different textures of scrub to, you know, and dissolution rates. To make sure yeah. <laughs> you really get so, but that's that those kind of that extra oomph differentiates a body scrub that yeah. you're going to buy at a nicer like department store versus one at like a grocery store. Yeah. And so that's where we still, so we'll still put more of the, still the love and care and consideration in the ingredients and the sourcing as we do with these ready-made products, but they're not going to contain the technology that we have, such as the, um, one of the two technologies that we have in the patent pending for the enhanced absorption, improved mm -hmm. manufacturing. And also what we do as well with our custom formulations, we will design technology for that product. Again, if our technology is not the best one, then we'll design another technology. And so we we have other products in the pipeline in the mm -hmm. case that, that we have that will be released. That That is a new technology, a new formulation created specifically for that product. And even within SKUs, you know, we're working on a, um, a drinkables formulation that has different flavorings. And even with that flavoring, that requires different solubilization ingredients because yeah. one um, one has walnut. So the oils from the walnut like reduce the solubility. <laughs> so this is like, I, I don't, yeah. yeah, like we go really, really detailed. I mean, even on like the research will go into, you know, genetic differences mm -hmm. and gender differences if for our target profile. So, so with VIA, we're kind of offering a range, more of a range. If you want any, something, an easy quick solution to a formulation to get involved into the industry, or you want to go um, something mid-scale, yeah. differentiated with our technology or something like that. You want to have a piece of chunk yeah, in, gosh. that's also so so that it caters to, you know, the early startups as well as the the more, you know, the yeah. larger players. I'm curious how, and I see this a lot with, you know, whether it's technologists or scientists, you know, people that have incredible not only sort of deep understanding of a domain and experience and expertise in a domain, but also a passion for doing the work. As the company has grown and as you kind of envision the company even getting bigger, how do you kind of balance the need to kind of focus and run and, and lead the company versus be the lead scientist and actually, you know, keep involved, keep your fingers literally in the in the product you're developing so you're really intimately familiar with it and driving innovation there. Like how have you balanced that or how are you making choices or how do you see how do you see that playing out for yourself? Because I think it's a challenge a lot of folks, you know, in these situations have, right? I mean, obviously deep understanding of of the plant and the chemicals and all the processes and everything, but you know, you only have so much time. Where do you make that decision? Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, that is definitely has been a challenge and that was already in transition let's say pre-covid yeah. and then just was accelerated when everything kind of started going down and when i took our first all all hands team meeting when you know everyone's under lockdown and i said like hey we are used to working remotely and communicating this way so let's just 
you know, we're ahead of the game. Let's improve our process efficiency and our communication. Mm -hmm. And we stopped working in the lab. <laughs> so yeah. I, there was some idle time. And so what, <laughs> and I looked at, you know, and I threw many different hats at people to see where they took on. And some really did in some areas. I mentioned Carolyn and she, the reasons I love this woman is she is so organized and she like just, oh, there's always process improvements, communication streamlined. So we just button that up too. Um, so she's been with me a while. So this also comes with trust and understanding and close working relationship. We have another guy, he's uh, Irish a native, but lives in Canada. He's he's also been with the company for uh, over a year, O'Sheen Turney. And he was also a good bridge between some of the business and the science part. So I have Carolyn who can really handle a lot of the um, the science questions. Mm -hmm. um, O'Sheen is a good bridge between the science and the business part. Um, and then I also have uh, Dr. Nigam Aurora, who's our chief strategy officer, and he does everything. He's just kind of like the glue. So anything, there's issues in the lab, there's, uh, he kind of just handles as a great comms guy um, within, within the team. Mm -hmm. And then Jess, uh, who recently, well, not recently now, actually, it's been, it's been a while. So she, she's more the, our junior scientist and she really, I gave her all of the weird, crazy hats and she really <laughs> took on into the project management and, and some of the formulation starts. So it's really, I guess my long winded way of saying COVID brought the team together, our yeah. um, communication improved. Um, yeah, there, and, and actually this week is a great week because I have been, MIA from the team big time and oh. they've just been great like I have I'm I'm getting ready to set up a bunch of number of experiments and a quick call with Carolyn right before she's like all right I got this 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 all lined yeah. up here's your number and it's just like thank you and that's how I'm yeah. able to do that and, and I think yeah. one of the but also you have to be able to trust your team mm -hmm. and that's scary to hand because that that for mm -hmm. me that that took some time I mean that was that my baby yeah. that I built you know just say that ownership but the the other day was Oshin. I was like, "You're you're you're leading this field to recommend. Like, you know, this is your authority. You can make that executive decision. I trust you. Go for it." Yeah. So there's, you know, but that took a little bit of falling oh, sure. back. Can you catch me? You know, before I did do that. So this was like slowly growed over time. So I've been extremely, extremely fortunate to to have like these core scientists. Yeah, yeah, here on on that team that allow me to sort of uh, look kind of next steps. Yeah. That's great. Monica, if people want to find out more about you, more about the innovations, uh, the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? I would say our website. So via-innovations.com. Always find me on LinkedIn, Monica Vialpondo. And yeah, that's the <laughs> best way to say hi. We're on we're on Instagram too. We'll have we have most of our fun factual posts there. A lot of actually a lot of education on on our Instagram posts on uh, this. There was endometriosis in March on um, in cannabis use this month. We're focusing on the sun and summer and, and the importance of of reef safe products like in sunscreens and such like that too. So yeah, check us out and and I'm I'm sure you'll learn something. Yeah, I'll put the links and the handles and stuff in the show notes cool. here so people can click and get that. Monica, thank you so much for taking time today. Great conversation, great insights. I love the work that you're doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to stay in touch and kind of hear, hear how some of these things play out, but it's really been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. I had a great time as well. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. 
visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.